Hello, Legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today, I'm connecting us to two inspiring businesswomen, Karen Finch and Bianca Dowdell Munro, the owners of Legally Yours. Together, Karen and Bianca are innovating an entire industry, the legal industry. Legally Yours is an online marketplace that connects consumers to modern lawyers willing to provide services on fixed value-based costings to prevent any surprise bills. Me, Karen, and Bianca had a truly brilliant conversation. We discussed their experiences in typical male-dominated industry, or, or as they put it, patriarchal industry, balancing being an entrepreneur with motherhood, and how important it is for uh, society to have more examples of strong, successful women in business. It was a really exciting show. I enjoyed it so much. I hope you do too. So enjoy the show. great coincidence like i just said ladies that we're sitting here today well i'm sitting here today with two incredibly strong successful business women and it just happens to be which laura did we plan that or not international women's day week and uh, like yeah. you guys said yeah lifetime. <laughs> lifetime it goes on and and so it's a great pleasure to welcome you both to the show, Karen and Bianca. Thank you for, for being here. Oh, thank you for having us. Thanks We're very excited. Awesome. Like I briefly said, the point of today is to let the members and the listeners get to know two incredible people um, and also get a bit of an insight into your areas of expertise mm -hmm. and, and knowledge and experience, whether that be like in your businesses or, or in your uh, life, like just in, in general. Um, we're here today to, to, to give value to our listeners and, and uh, after our brief conversation before, uh, I think uh, they're going to be pretty satisfied. <laughs> I'll put we you on a pedestal so. now. Though, you <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. Don't, don't talk us up too Yeah, long. well, no, they're, they're not that great. great. <laughs> <laughs> You're both, are you co-owners of Legally Yours is the, is the business name? Why, why didn't you give us a bit of an introduction on Legally Yours? Yeah, I might take this one. So right. Legally Yours came about in 2014 and we were – a little bit ahead of our time. Um, so what we were seeing was trends overseas in relation to um, this sort of fixed fee and different pricing model coming along with how um, people were accessing legal services. And what we knew back then and what we still know today is that, you know, they say something like 70% of people who have legal needs actually don't go to a lawyer. So they would rather ask an accountant, a real estate agent, someone at the dog park, their mum, their dad, and not a lawyer. And so we were really interested and curious around why, what what were those barriers and what was the real issue having? Because we've got, for the legal industry, um, an inaccessibility problem. And so I literally went on a quest to ask every single person um, down the street. We did Voxpox, we, we researched, we analysed questionnaires, the whole thing. And three things became really clear of the barriers. So one was absolutely price point. So everyone had the mm. story of my friend went to a lawyer and then they got this invoice and they didn't know what it was for and then they were paying thousands and thousands of dollars and, you know, that's they just stopped going. So we knew that there was a pricing problem in terms of not necessarily the price itself but the way it was communicated. 
to clients. And it's almost a two-phase problem because it's a pricing problem but it's also that trust problem because Absolutely. it's like I don't trust that you're – if it's not a fixed price, I don't trust that – or how do I know if it took X amount of time? For all I know, you're using a, a template or something you've already done for someone years and years ago or whatever, you, you know, as the consumer, you don't know. And, and the fear of, oh, if this drags out, I'm going to have to spend so much money because Absolutely. this lawyer can just charge me whatever they want. I'm at their mercy almost. Well, you kind Absolutely. of you kind of are. Mm. And the thing is, is that as lawyers, and I'm I'm a non-practicing, which I like to joke makes me an expert, but it actually what it really means is that I no longer practice as a lawyer, so I don't deliver legal services, but I'm legally qualified. But at no point in our degree, um, no point in our training as a young lawyer. Um, and no point really when we're going through um, our legal careers are we really taught about what our value is. We we taught how to record time and we taught how <laughs> to how <laughs> we taught how Correct. to log billable units and billable hours. Um, but at no point are we asked to actually think, what is our value? What is the client coming to see us for? And so the problem with that is is that a relationship becomes very toxic when the client realizes that every time they call you or they speak to you or you ask for something photocopied. Or they think about you. <laughs> yeah. Or they think yeah. about you. They're being charged. Mm. And so, therefore, the relationship between the client and the lawyer, which should be built on trust, like you say, all of a sudden becomes, I'm not speaking to my lawyer, I'm shutting down, mm. this is out of control, I don't want to do it anymore, and they run away. Mm. And I actually really get that. So, so we knew whatever we built back in those early days we had to get over that fear in the in the communication and the pricing. And so fixed fee of, and value-based pricing, so yeah. upfront communication of what value lawyers are pl- providing for their clients um, and, you know, that clear kind of figure around the price solves that problem. And more people will access because it's not necessarily about the lowest price. It's about the clarity and the transparency and the certainty around what you're going to pay and what you're going to get back. So we knew that was key. But then there were two other things that really surprised us in those early days um, as well. And, you know, one was about an education experience for people. So a lot of people didn't know what a legal, when they should go and see a lawyer. So there was almost this sort of education piece that as an industry, legal guards its legal knowledge very closely. And we tend to think that if we give too much away, people won't use us because they'll just go and do it themselves. And I've, you know, I've run hundreds and hundreds of legal information events and I'm still yet to see someone attendee and they go to me, oh yeah, I could do that. I don't know why you went to university for six years to study to do that. I can do it. So we know that's not true, but you really need to. And and a big thing that Legally Yours is built on is that through education, you empower clients to engage. Mm. It's really, really simple. And so, you know, Bianca and I spend a lot of time with that education information piece. And then the other thing that we found was that people just didn't know where to find a lawyer. So, mm. and it still is now that the, the number one way to find a lawyer is to Google, I need a lawyer. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever done that for fun. Um, no, I'm surrounded by <laughs> successful uh, <laughs> uh, law, what is the head of like founding partners yeah. and all sorts of lawyers here at Cubs. Yeah. So yeah. I've got the benefit of the network. But oh, you're no, very lucky. Yet. But if you want some fun, I might call weekend you now. fun. <laughs> if you want some weekend fun, absolutely Google I Need a Lawyer. And what you'll find is what comes up is a whole heap of law websites. They all look the same. They all market the same. Mm. They're all in their suits. They're all talking the same you know, everything about how wonderful the firm is, but you don't really get an understanding of how they price, how they communicate. Is this someone I can build this legal relationship with? So 
when you look at Legally Yours and what we do um, for what we call our customers or, you know, our end users, so our consumers and the business owners and the startup founders, is that we solve all those three problems. So we only list lawyers on our platform that are fixed fee or value-based pricing. So we say, come to us, we vet them, we make sure they've got the right experience uh, and we look at their pricing models and they don't get in our network unless they're doing that. So what we do there is that sort of, you know, we're that safe pair of arms or that best friend um, that you can go to, that you can go, can you can you just give me one of the good ones? And we go, yeah, we've got them. We've got your back. There's a couple of things I want to bring up that I think are really interesting and, and something I think you guys have absolutely just smashed out of the park is that the legal industry, like others, for example, like I believe the property industry, uh, potentially the construction industry, there's a lot of industries that haven't modernised. And Absolutely. they 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 haven't, like, what you guys are, are doing is basically modernising uh, industry that has been kept intact. And modern businesses go, go for value. We want to produce as much value as possible. We want to give mm-hmm. you so much value and we want to do, they're, all, they're, they're consumer focused. So mm-hmm. the, the consumer gets the best experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what you see for all these really successful, hyper-successful modern businesses. Mm. And you guys are doing that in, in, a, in an industry of which has prevented that somehow or for some reason, I don't know how or why, but, but they have. And I would assume it's because the powers that be are in power still because of that. Basically, you're innovating it and you're delivering value. And this is something that, mm. that does – and you're doing it at a fair price with a great product. And you asked – what I loved is that you said, um, what is our value? Mm. Like as a business – or as an industry, as a business owner, whoever you are, you know, what is the real value that I'm providing my consumer? What's the feeling? And, and, and I want to ask you as well, because I bet you it aligns with this style of business. What value do you believe, what is the value a lawyer brings? What is your actual job? What is the feeling you give someone? It's trust. And, it's trust. And how can you trust someone if they charge you every time they speak to you? Because that's not a real relationship. It is a false it's relationship. It's anti-cub, actually. We, yeah. would, we would call it here a cub. Mm. So it's the legal industry, when you really knuckle it down, is it's a human-centred industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's about humans relating to humans. It's about relationships. And it's actually about trust, expertise, experience, empathy, communication, and it's really interesting because if you look at how, and I sit on the board um, of a law school and we talk about the, you know, they're called the Priestly 11, which I know any lawyers listening out there will probably shiver when they hear the Priestly 11. It's the subjects that we all have to study um, at law school. And there's no subjects in there about clients, client experience, mm. communication. They're all sort of seen as fluffy, non-essential but when you actually then look at it that we're a human relationships business that don't know how to interact with other humans. I agree. You, <laughs> you need it, – it, it is funny because it is such a you, – you, you, you almost go to your lawyer in a time of need. It's, mm. If you were going to go to someone else in a time of need, it would be a loved one. It would be a warm experience or a friend. But you go to the lawyer in the same experience but you don't have that – that warmth, that sense of support. What's that empathy that Karen and talks that, about? Yeah, empathy. Yeah. And, and you guys, that, that's what, kind of, what I kind of like about that model. The experience to the client matches the feeling that, that they're in need of, I guess, the, mm. the, the, the situation they're in. And, and uh, educating, you said educating the client more in law to encourage them to feel more comfortable in using 
the law. And, and also to make better decisions as well. Mm. I think that's genius. I think all the industries, mm. uh, really all the industries should do that. And we at Cub relate to that a lot because uh, there's not really that many other relationship building organizations for business owners and entrepreneurs. And, and so, you know, when new members uh, join or they're thinking about joining, um, we have to kind of teach them, no, well, look, this is how it works. This is what we do. This is the mm. purpose. No, it's not just to come in and sell it's for this. It's for building these valuable bonds and friendships that will support you in your entrepreneurial journey, which, mm. hey, is, as we all know, it's pretty hard. Um, and so there's an education. It's extremely difficult, though. Education. Educating a market yeah. is what I would believe is is your, I don't know because I'm, I'm not you, but what I could imagine is probably your your biggest barrier to to anything is the education and the because you're almost having to change an industry that it sounds even though what you're doing is better it's still hard to make people change whether it be lawyers or or clients and there was two um there was two prongs to that because we had to change and this is something I didn't anticipate as being as difficult I thought that I could go out to the legal profession and say hey, did you know 70% of people who have legal needs don't access lawyers? Do you want some of that market? Do you want some of that business? We can deliver it to you. This is what they want and they do it. That's actually a great sales pitch, right? Mm. This is what they'd say. Mm. No, no, that's not the way we do things. We have we don't do things that way. So um, it's not broken. Clients love it when I send them surprising voices. And when I said, how do you know that they love it? Oh, because they pay them. I said, oh, so interesting. Um, so I had really, I, I, I did not anticipate that lawyers didn't value business, extra business. Um, and I guess I didn't fully appreciate how non-commercially minded they were um, as an industry overall. The other thing that I didn't anticipate was how accepting clients were mm-hmm. of that system. So often I'd go out and speak to clients and I'd say, hey, would you go to a lawyer that told you up front what they were going to charge? And they'd say, oh, yeah, absolutely, but it must be so hard for them because how do they know and how about the other side? How do they know how they're going to react? It must be really hard for lawyers to put, you know, parameters around their costs. And I used to say, ah, it's BS, sorry. Um, If a lawyer's experienced enough, they know Mm. what the process is, they know how it's going to go, and they can actually fix their price and take some of that risk with you to show you that they're in partnership with you on that matter. Um, and so having to educate clients around you can ask for more. And I do a lot of talking, Bianca and I do a lot of talking about this around what clients should expect from their lawyers, what they should be asking their lawyers. And if the lawyers can't give it to them, we know where they are because yeah. we've got them. We've got them. In and and that concept of like... I mean, for you to have pushback from the lawyers, I could almost imagine because, yeah, okay, in theory, 70% of the market doesn't want to come. That sounds great, but what if it doesn't work out? Then, I'm, you know, I've lost my – I know what I know the other system's safe. So in the lawyers, I can actually see why – I can't – I mean, as an entrepreneur, I can't understand why they wouldn't want to innovate and improve and, and mm. therefore still everyone else's clients. But but, <laughs> but, um, but, it's, but what you said about the, the – it's the client – that, that's what's shocking. And what you can relate that to, you know what I was thinking in my head when you were talking? 
Sorry, I just thought of it back again. You know who you're like? You're like the guy from the movie The Big Short that just discovers the housing market's about to collapse. Mm. And, you know, he's first and no one believes. He's like, nah, you're, you're, you're a crackhead. The, the housing market is, is fine. It's never collapsed in. You know, the, the way it's doing it is fine. The way it's fine. And everyone's getting paid. And then, bang, that's you. Did you just call me a crackhead? No. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. But you, you're, you're seeing something obvious like you went because yeah. the first thing you said when you started speaking was I went into the market myself and I spoke to everyone mm. and I was hearing what people were saying and do you remember the, I don't know if you watched the movie but they go mm. to the mortgage brokers and they go to the people that are renting their houses and Correct. and they actually go into the market and they're like this is crazy how has no one seen this mm -hmm. yes. you know that, that, that's yes. you yes. <laughs> minus the crack yeah, minus the crack, <laughs> minus the crack. <laughs> although but, <laughs> but but um and um and so, but what that brings up is, so the fact that the clients are even reluctant to change, that just shows you how um, they've been programmed. I mean, they've been taught that from a young age. Exactly. It's a, it's not, you don't want to say programming because yeah, people use that a lot these days, but people are programmed to think away. You learn something, you think that's it, but you know, that, that is how life happens. You know, you, mm. you go through your life, you have experiences and you learn things and you accept that's the way that is. That's the way that is. And, and it makes life easier to understand things like that. To, mm. Yep, that's that, that's that, that's that. And, I mean, you can, this is evident right now in, in law, but it's also evident in a lot of other topics that are happening at the moment, you know, where people's minds are, you know, it's a big world correction in terms of mm. thought processes around different topics and things. And the fact that it also, I mean, it works in on a social level, but... In a business level, it's also a prevention. I think mm. I've never kind of had that. I've never put the two and two together mm. um, so much. So I think that's mm. really, really quite interesting. Mm. Well, it really is. And, you know, I love the legal industry, like love it. I've, I tried, I had another career outside of it um, and I, could, I had to get back in. And there's a whole movement of us that were in the profession, loved the profession. So I loved being a lawyer. I loved my clients. I loved being able to deliver legal services. I hated being told that I was reduced to a six-minute billable unit. Mm. Hated it. And Why do they do six minutes? Uh, Why is that the... It's, I, it's, some, I, it's some... I think it was from accounting. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Funny thing is, is that accounting's actually reverted back to... You know, value-based pricing. They have. As, a, as a professional service. Account, yeah, it yeah. did. Accounting innovated and modernised quicker than legal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, I would say legal is the last profession holding on to just this um, so fiercely to the billable hour. Mm. And there's even, I mean, I'm constantly doing videos with people. So I did, um, it's a, a absolutely brilliant legend of law called John Chisholm, who also happens to Legendary. sit on our advisory board. And he actually, I did a whole video with him where he talked about when the billable unit came into play and time recording came into play. And if you speak to lawyers sort of, you know, 45 years old down, will tell you, oh, no, it's always been that way. Like that was the only way you could actually invoice clients. And he does this wonderful, um, in this video where he talks about it was the 1980s. I think we'd had a meeting with the accountants and they said you should start time recording so you can figure out where all your time's going and figure out when you can bring on a new staff member and all that kind of stuff. And then um, they went, oh, maybe we could invoice clients for all of this. And he was in a firm where he was the third generation of that particular firm that was a partner. And he went to his dad and said, hey, we're going to change how we invoice to these billable units and time record. And his dad in disbelief said, clients will never pay us for our time. That is just ridiculous. What client would? 
And the rest is history. So, um, wow. you know, it's really, it's, it's quite incredible. But even the industry itself, um, you know, a lot of lawyers will still think that um, the legal regulation, so the uniform laws which govern lawyers, and we all love laws and we all love to be governed, um, they all will say, oh, no, we need to record time because that's part of our regulation. So again, I went off and did a video with the legal regulator um, and actually said, is that true? And they said, no, that's not true. So, you know, I think that as a profession, um, you know, we want to do the right thing. I think there are a lot of lawyers out there that, you know, love what they do. They, I'm still yet to meet a law student who comes out and I'll say, why are you studying mm. law to make lots of money and be filthy rich? I'm sure they are out there. But um, certainly the ones I speak to, they all say, I'm doing it because I want to help people. And then somewhere along the line, something happens and they just get churned into these overworked, stressed out, just mm. bill, 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 and they hate themselves. But they work the, the, the most hours of yep. it. They, they work monstrous. And in Australia, you'd be considered a lazy lawyer. Mm. You go to New York and London yeah. – they are, they are literally working from yep. seven till twelve, yep. like, and that's yep. normal. Yeah, that, because they're getting normal. paid and they're getting performance managed mm. on that time. Mm. But just think about it, right? So think what what changing your value in the legal profession does for lawyers. Think about that. So all of a sudden, as a lawyer, I'm not getting remunerated or performance managed based on my time. It's about my client care. It's about my outcomes. It's about client satisfaction and feedback. It's about my collaboration. It's about my team culture. So all of a sudden, that's what I'm getting rated on. How am I going to be as a lawyer in that environment? I'm going to be happier. I'm going to feel more fulfilled, more rewarded. Productivity goes up. Mm. Um, you know, we know those firms that have given away time recording and billable hours. They, they actually ironically make more money mm. because people pay them more because they see the value in what they're well, doing. Well, not just that, but also <laughs> selling your time is the is the worst way to actually produce money. I mean, it, might, it works for, I guess it's obviously worked for the legal industry, but in theory, if you're able to sell a product and, and sell, you know, have a, you know, not by the time, have by the completion, in theory, you could do more of them or sell more of them. You're not constrained by people's time. You, it, it's, like, it's like being a, a, a labourer mm. or a um, developer. Mm-hmm. The developer's not, he's not getting paid on his time. That's exactly right. You know what I mean? And and the legal industry almost, it's it's almost the labourer in the term, not the labouring is not amazing, it's amazing. But but in terms of wanting to produce more income, it's mm. not the, it's, mm. it's, it just literally is not the best way to go about it. No, it's not. And the legal industry has a wellness and a mental health crisis on its hands. And we've known it for a number of years that um, particularly in the younger mm. demographic of our profession, they are in turmoil and, you know, we have one of the lowest retention rates. Um, you everyone know, leaves law. Everyone yeah, they do. leaves yeah. law. But How many you members know, have legal uh, – have um, Law degrees. Law degrees or, yeah. and then they go, no, nah, it's not for me, they start mm. a business. And you Absolutely. know what the really sad thing is, Daniel, is they're the lawyers that should be in the profession because they're the ones that could make those wonderful relationships mm. with clients. They're the ones. So, you know, it's my sort of personal mission to – to get to as many of those law students and, you know, law graduates and early stage career lawyers and say, if you don't fit into this current kind of confines of billable units and long hours and, you know, this sort of what we call traditional modes of law, 
understand there is a whole other world of legal services and legal service delivery and law firm types out there um, and that's what we've got in Legally Yours. So I'm constantly surrounded with, Bianca and I are surrounded with some of the most phenomenally innovative, progressive, um, just entrepreneurial just amazing mm. lawyers and law firms. And, and we offer a lot of education to them as well, the lawyers, in teaching them how to make their law firms work better and so for really, them. And so really any lawyer that's listening that is involved or that's interested in getting involved in Legally Yours and, and obtaining, you know, the clients from the, the database and, and providing them a more modern form of legal work, they can go to legallyyours.com.au and reach out to you guys and that's all. How, how do they... How do they get involved? No, absolutely. So um, though we obviously like to really make sure that the quality of lawyer that we have in our network and that we're delivering, you know, business through to lives and breeds that brand. So, you know, we certainly, um, you know, meet with or virtual conference with all the lawyers that we allow on the platform um, because for us, you know, we they, they are who we are. Mm. Um, so we have to make sure they're at the highest quality and that they are really understanding that delivery of the fixed fee and the value-based pricing services and then, you know, making sure they've got great client care processes. And so can anyone join the platform or they – As long as they – as long as they're uh, value-based fixed fee. And what's the business model? So you'll take a clip of the transactions? No, they're members. So we're a membership model. Yeah. Oh, so they pay you a monthly membership yep, correct. fee? So we've got yes. monthly Basically subscription Basically like fees. legal cub. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you should invest in it. Yeah. Um, yes. So I probably would after this conversation. <laughs> so actually it's a good question. I'll, I'll yeah. sort of explain. So we are, and we've got sort of something really exciting coming up. So traditionally we've only really worked with lawyers that we can put on our platform. We can generate business through to and build their brand and profile and, you know, really make sure everyone knows all about them. Um, we are opening up. So we've got what we're calling a community membership, which is just for anyone in the legal industry. So it can be law students or law graduates, early stage career laws, or even lawyers in traditional firms who are interested in the concepts that we are talking. So we've become quite well known within the profession for, you know, doing law differently and different, you know, talking about technology, talking about collaboration models, talking about remote online, all those kind of things. So um, they can also join us, but they're not listed on the platform, but they get to um, come to all our events. They can meet our members. So some of them in there will be thinking about starting mm -hmm. their own firm and they might want to talk to one of our members mm. who's already done it. So we've got ships, the abs whole, abs yeah. absolutely, really cool. which mm. is really, so we're really excited about that one. And then we've got, you know, the platform on platform memberships um, that we're driving business through to and doing sort of building branding profiling around. And then to the side of that, we've got another category, which I'll let Bianca explain because this is her little baby. Oh, the business support partners. <laughs> Hello, yeah. Bianca. Welcome to the Hello. podcast. <laughs> and I said I wasn't going to talk. Oh, gosh. Nah, she she was, like, why I didn't tell you she fills up the space. <laughs> she fills up the space. Um, yeah, so we, we also do business support partners and that's really about a platform that can come into our membership and drive education and strategic planning to all of our members. So we, you know, we're really looking to bring on um, industries that are wanting to deliver services to our members and as I said before, it's really about them getting better knowledge and education on how to run their businesses better so that it allows them to worry about just focusing on the client and not so much about running their businesses. And so, what, so um, Bianca, you've obviously got the financial background. Yes. And so the services that you're, you're talking about, these are obviously there's 
financial services for the lawyer to run their business? What other services? Oh, look, there's a whole array that sit behind there. There's, you know, coaching services, there's SEO services, there's marketing marketing services, there's networking services, there's, um, you know, HR. Yes, absolutely. But they also have to fit into the same bill as what we're all about and that's that value-based fixed fee. Um, So we, we allow them to deliver services across to our members um, in lunch and learns, um, but we also, you know, allow them to be able to provide education to our members as well. And that might be some programs that they deliver to our members on a one-on-one basis rather than a full-blown community. And so those companies, those service providers, uh, when you say um, service our members, you're talking about mm. the lawyers that are on the platform. Yeah. Excellent. So yeah. You help, you're helping the lawyers run a better legal business. Absolutely. So what I've been doing over the last six months is actually going into the members' firms and actually asking what things are frustrating them. Um, taking all those, the business side of things. Well, and, and, and it really genuinely is and HR is also a num- number one um, up there as well. So what I then do is that if there's a gap in our um, business support partners, I'm actually going out to try and find someone that will fit that bill and vet them to make sure that they sit within our value base as well. Um, so, you know, there's, there is still quite a number of gaps that we are looking to fill within, you know, the next year. Um, it might even take a little bit longer, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's just to take away those frustrations from our members so that they can really just focus on the work and that's looking after, you know, their clients. I really love all this. This is amazing. And, okay. So the business sounds, uh, incredible, innovative, uh, makes sense and is impressive, but what about the incredible women behind the business. What are your stories? And I reckon Bianca should go first because she just got to the podcast. (laughs) Give us your story. Where'd you grow up? How'd you grow up? What was your first business? Was this your first business? Did you, you know, what's up? So um, I actually grew up in a small country town called Swan Hill, which is about three and a half hours northwest of here. Um, And, you know, traditionally my parents were always in business. My grandparents were and the generations before. So I haven't really known too much about being what we would call these days a PAYG. Um, So, you know, it's always been a very systemic thing for me to be in business. Um, There was a period of about 13 months where I did try and work for somebody else. Um, Hence it was only 13 months. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, so look, you know, my parents were very, very heavy into hospitality as well as farming and, you know, I sort of followed that lead until I did come to university down here and study architecture. Um, it wasn't, um, as fulfilling as I thought it was going to be. I like people, um, sitting behind a drawing board wasn't really my thing. So, um, I then ventured into financial services. Um, yeah, so effectively, you know, for the last 20 years I've been in that, um, that industry. Um, and I've owned other businesses along the way. So financial services, accounting, um, medical, um, and then, you know, Karen and I hooked up. I was um, going to say, how did you meet? So interestingly enough, in 2015, I went out to market to try and find some lawyers that would actually provide value-based fixed fee, um, pricing because that's what we do within our firm as financial service providers, um, and it was a really long journey until I came across Legally Yours. And so I went and met with Karen. It was like love at first sight. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we've had this long-term relationship for the last five years. A lot of our clients in my wealth management accounting practice have been referred to 
lawyers within the network and I can genuinely say it's just been incredible. We haven't had any issues. Um, Clients have loved the fact that the values fall in line with each other. So, yeah, back in November of 2019, Karen and I just caught up again and sort of just found out where each other was at. And it's interesting because from that first meeting that I had back in 2015, I actually thought to myself, one day I'm going to marry this woman and we're going to be in partnership together. Um, so, yeah, so it was really not, interesting. We're not really married. Or <laughs> no, we're not really married. I but have a husband. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually like, oh, no, what, did I miss something? No. Like, no, 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 no. Shout out to my beautiful husband, Jono. I was just thinking What's his name? What's his name? <laughs> Jono. Shout out, Jono. Oh, shout out, Jono. I was just thinking he'll be like, Oh no, God, he is she won't. Coming out? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought you were. Too. You're hilarious. I'm so glad that you had to quantify and that as if I was being serious. That's awesome. But, and, and you're both you're both mums. Is that correct? As yeah, well? we are. So on top of being business owners, mm-hmm. you're also also uh, loving mothers. And do you have? about loving. <laughs> <laughs> I added that part without knowing. I was very loving when my child spilled coffee all down the front of me as I was walking out the door. That was that was very loving of me. And how is the balance between motherhood and uh, business operations? Not easy. Yeah, I can't imagine that being easy. Not easy. Yeah. But we, we manage. I mean, you what, know. What are tips? What are tips? Uh, what are lessons you've you've kind of taken from this experience that I guess other women and other other parents in general, um, uh, I guess can use. Mm, I, I mean, just one for me. I think it's it, there's a recognition of let go, mm. and I think there's also a, a, an acceptance that neither role, whether it's business ownership or parent being a parent, kind of end. So then mm. they're not mutually exclusive. And I've, I and have they tried. Do merge a yeah, lot. I have tried to tell my children, you know. When mum wears these type of clothes, she's off limits and just never happens. So I think that, you know, one of the beautiful things about being in business partnership with Bianca is that we get, we don't have to have those conversations about the crossover. So, you know, sometimes we'll be on the phone and, you know, beautiful Alice, Bianca's daughter, will be singing or screaming um, and we just keep talking through it. Like, that's okay. No matter. We have advisory board meetings and sometimes... Alice appears and we just say, hi, Alice. Beautiful Alice, like, starts singing again. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can hear my kids in the background, you know, fighting over two-minute noodles. And Normally your dog, Maggie. I, and I do have a dog, Maggie, who's, who he I loves just to adore. Join in. Um, but, you know, that's that's. I think it was that for me particularly, it was a recognition of just understanding, letting go, be kind. It's, it's, it's a one, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. Mm. And hasn't COVID been wonderful because we've all had to see each other's houses? But I think there's also an element of also having an understanding that, you know, Karen's got children of a school age. I would never, ever ask her to hold a meeting at a particular time during the day Mm. because ultimately she has, you know, responsibilities that she has to take her kids to school or pick them up or, you know, they've got activities or whatever it might be. So I think it's just having that really beautiful mutual understanding of what each other's positions are um, also not just in the business front but also at home. Well, I like two things. I, I mean, I love the concept of understanding your partner or your own um, daily schedule because if you know yeah. your daily schedule, you can just work I mean, Exactly. When you're in business, you work at any hours anyway. So exactly. you work at the ones that work for you. And that's one of the best things about I get, or what I could imagine, but I can't say uh, I'm a 
a uh, mum or <laughs> or a dad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of neither. Shut, so. you're not a mum. No, I know. <laughs> but, but I can, <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, uh, and just knowing the daily schedule, knowing your partner's daily schedule, and being able to just work around that would be one of the most important kind of things. And and one thing I really liked was what, what you said, Karen, which was, you know, uh, I don't know how you said it, but I wrote in my notepad here, boss mum clothing, which is like, yeah. okay, <laughs> mum's wearing that outfit, like that type of outfit, and your kids will learn from a young age, yeah. that's when mum's being a boss mum. Don't fuck with that lady. I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> Mine did this morning, yeah. though. <laughs> I'm going to step out of that one. Do you know, though, and this is in honour of International Women's Lifetime, which we, we're calling it now, this yeah. uh, this period of life, um, is that, you know, being – I mean, I have three daughters. Bianca has one daughter. Being that role model mm. for – you know, I've, I've got a beautiful um, 12-year-old Evie who had to, in her grade six year last year, write what she wanted to be. You know, and, and lots of people in her class were like doctor or a lawyer and she wrote entrepreneur and I just was like, oh, my God, yeah, that is <laughs> that's amazing. amazing. And she always comes up with business ideas and, you know, I just think that um, there was a period in my life where I was a full-time mum having the kids so close together. And, How many um, kids? Four kids and I had that within three and a half years. So I had twins, I think I told you before. Oh, no, I remember when That's I got confused young. about the maths and the years and the number of kids. <laughs> what, what's going on? Here? So I was a full-time mum for a number of years and I still remember, um, it must have been my son who was in kinder and had to fill out a form or something or write something out about his family and he wrote, my dad's a boss and my mum vacuums. And I remember, <laughs> I remember getting that and just going, oh, God, okay, we've got some really, <laughs> really thwarted kind of gender things happening. Um and so I love the fact that, you know, I get to show in particular my daughters that you can be a mum, you can be a business lady, you can, you know, be an entrepreneur and, I mean, I, I would never say you can have it all but you can certainly have bits and pieces yeah, together. And, and look, our lives are chaotic and mm-hmm. they're sometimes majorly, majorly stressful but there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of excitement in it too. And it's what you enjoy. You like, yeah. You obviously, you obviously love the simulation of the business and the rewards of the business and having a business with a great purpose. You obviously love being a mum. You know, it, it, you're doing what you love. At the end of the day, as long as you're doing what you love, okay. Well, if it's hard, you, you're choosing it. You, mm. you don't have to do it. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's a choice. Family's a choice. Mm. Business, everything's a choice in life. Mm. And if you're doing something you love, who cares if it's hard? It's supposed to be hard. It makes it more. Um, rewarding when you actually do it. It means less people accomplish what you do. It makes you more exactly. special. And and uh, I love how it was your son that wrote my <laughs> vacuums. Such a boy thing, right? <laughs> Such dopey little well, people. I do vacuum a lot. I mean, I do enjoy a good vacuum. But. <laughs> but, how incredible is it that your daughter wrote Entrepreneur? The only thing <clears throat> she could have written better than that mm-hmm. is Future Cub member. Oh, <laughs> well, future CEO oh, of yeah. Legally Yours. <laughs> well, no, that, 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 but I just think that, the fact, and you know what? She's obviously written that because she looks at her mum and she watches her mum when she's dressed she like does. a boss and she's like, yeah. wow, I kind of want to be like this lady. Like, yeah. she's obviously also not looking at you as a lawyer and not a vacuumer. <laughs> <laughs> she's probably looking at you like, wow, mum's a businesswoman. Yeah. You know, mum's an entrepreneur. Okay. I'd be interested to see what Griffin would actually write these days, though. 
he, he's for, uh, nearly 14 now. So, um, yeah, I'm, might I might be you might, have, you might have to <laughs> question the kids when they get home. <laughs> so you got to trick his Put te- it in the little post. <laughs> trick his teacher. Just say, can you ask him to the write? The feedback box. Mum <laughs> does. I know. That's funny. Yeah, oh, no, I, think, I think it's brilliant. And, and uh, Karen, we didn't ask about your background. So where you started, how did you start your career? Obviously you studied law, so I'm assuming you started there. But well, what about before that? Um, I mean, I've got kind of an interesting story and no, I won't go back to the day I was born. I I know you're probably expecting me to go back that far, but, um, (laughs) so I'm the daughter of a serial entrepreneur. So my father, when I was growing up, people used to say to me, what does your dad do? And I would go, I have no idea. He seems to always be around. Um, and we seem to earn money, but I wasn't really sure what he did, but my dad has the most incredible entrepreneurial mind. So he's always had, you know, business ideas and businesses going and multiple things and was going to Poland and going to Philippines and doing all this stuff. And so um, I remember, you know, when I was about 16, one of the businesses that he was in got into some, uh, into a legal dispute with quite a big corporation. And it kind of then defined the next seven years of my parents' lives where they were embroiled in this litigation. And from my perspective, all I could see was that it just seemed like, yes, there was a dispute, but what the crux of the problem was that the lawyers that they had never, there always just seemed to be communication problems and then more money and then more communication problems and then more money being spent and then you know, them not telling them and then my mum not knowing what was going on and my dad not not knowing what was going on. And anyway, after seven years, it ended up being we lost our family home. Not because of the company that my parents had been in a dispute with, that actually ended up getting resolved. It was because of the lawyers that they had representing them. And from that experience, I became so obsessed and passionate about wanting to change the legal profession. So I got into my law degree and I said to myself, I'm going to get this law degree and I'm going to face those lawyers one day and I'm going to show them what it is to be a great lawyer mm. who takes care, of their, takes care of their clients and I don't want another client to have to experience, you know, what my family experienced. But of course, finish my law degree, front up for my first day as a qualified lawyer. I've got my stockings on. My pinstripe suit with my shoulder pads. I think I'd put some hairspray in my hair. Looked amazing. And I just remember the family partner sitting there and saying to me, okay, congratulations, you're now a qualified lawyer. So every time you go to the bathroom, think about your client for a minute, quickly run back to your desk, bill them for six, you get five minute credits. And this is how you are going to be a successful lawyer because you are going to make so much money for the firm doing this. And I still remember, like, I think my shoulder pads started drooping and I was like, uh, what? Like, uh, so I've just studied for five years and, and trained for one, done my articles and now this is what I'm doing. And so for me, I tried to stick it out because I really loved the job itself. I just couldn't fit into that system. So then I ended up, you know, leaving, I ended up going into recruitment and worked for an international recruitment company and went overseas and with was still sort of in um, the legal industry in the sense that I was doing in-house mm. legal recruitment. So I was kind of tapped in still to it. But, yeah, and then Legally Yours just came up and I think it's been, you know, when I look back on my career and all the experiences that I've had from what I saw with my parents mm. to what I experienced 
inside the profession to then how I looked at it from beyond. It's all come together beautifully in and, and why I love Legally Yours mm. so much and why it's so incredibly important because no matter what happens in society, whether it's the pandemic for goodness mm. sake, law, people still need legal services. You know, we're one of those industries that never, you know, we seem to really be able to always be in demand and in need. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, unfortunately, it's just, we just, we're just not doing it correctly. So that's, that's why I'm so passionate about you, making it right. Do you know right. what I love about that story is that I, I mean, I, I'm a big... Is it my hairspray or...? <laughs> <laughs> It was definitely <laughs> the stockings. <laughs> the stockings? But, but uh, the pinstripe suit, yeah. suit wasn't, wasn't bad either. But, but no, it was the fact that I personally believe that every bad thing um, that happens causes something good to happen. Agreed. And it might not be immediate, um, but actually your situation is a great example of how sometimes it's not immediate because obviously a horrible thing happened to your parents and to your family and, and losing their home because of, I guess, bad lawyers, you could call them or whatever it was. Mm. Um, and that obviously caused enough energy inside you mm. to not just then want to become a lawyer to fix the problem, but then to once getting into law and realizing, shit, this is a problem, mm. to to creating, to leaving, to create a business, mm. to then to become an entrepreneur, to fix the problem. And then your daughter saw you do that. And now your daughter's like, I, I want to be an entrepreneur. And you, and then it will continue. And, and yeah. that only happened because something bad happened to you. Mm. You know, if that didn't happen, you, you don't know if you would have had that passion. You, you probably would have been entrepreneurial because I always – well, actually, I used to believe you were born with that. But after doing this podcast, I don't anymore because uh, I've done a lot of episodes with members where people f- almost fall into it and then they then they realize, oh, I can do this. And then yeah. they, So, yeah. so yeah. I have changed my perspective. But, uh, I mean, I, it seems to me like you were born with it. You, you have that character. Um, um, but anyway, my point was that that negative thing – has obviously caused a great positive thing, not just for yourself, not for your clients, not for the other lawyers, even for your daughter Mm. and for your daughter's friends then in the future and her family. Mm. And it just kind of keeps going. Do you know what I mean? And and look, it's what also why I talk so much to law students, why I talk so much to law graduates Mm. and early stage career lawyers, because I don't want them to have to experience what I felt either. Or to have a choice about it. Have a choice. You know, to have a choice about if that's what they really want or they want to have, you know, something that is different. Because I don't think that necessarily your parents' situation had bad lawyers. It's just that they weren't tapped in. No. So, I mean, because it it obviously got resolved. Um, My mum did that. I'm just qualified. Oh, okay. So, okay, (laughs) fair enough. But, you know. My mum's listening. Yeah. So, at the end of the day. Yeah, shout out to mums. Um, but yeah, they just yeah. get to have a choice. And I think that that's what we are really all about is just giving, um, the law, the industry of law, just a different perspective on where things are at. It's a beautiful industry. Really it is. I mean, you know, when I mentioned John Chisholm before and he talks about his, um, you know, he, the stories that he remembers mm. from looking at his dad who was in legal practice. And he tells this beautiful story that, you know, dad used to go off into the city and was, you know, in a big tea firm, would come home, have dinner with the family. And then he had an office at home with a door that went outside. And they all knew that from 8pm, you know, two nights a week, people would come in and he would give pro bono legal services, you know. Um, And that was what he did to the community. And, you know, John remembers, you know, people tipping their hat at his dad when he walked down the street. Like there was this level of 
respect mm. um, and mm. trust. And community that's service Community almost. service. Absolutely. And that's – and I, you know, lawyers, um, they just really do want to help people and have these trusted mm. relationships and people need those trusted relationships and just – it's but just – something's gone wrong. Yeah, well, no – where I thought you were going to go with that oh, was okay. that lawyers really, really want to, so lawyers, like you're saying, they want to be, they want to contribute to society and do great things, mm. but these structures and uh, structures and systems that they have to go into to do that don't allow that to happen. And, and that's the change. They don't, absolutely. Yeah, and that's the change that yeah, you're making. Hey, what about your thoughts on upbringing? Because you both, I didn't know this, but you both came from, uh, you both had entrepreneurial parents. Mm. How do you think, um, how do you think that affected your, how, how do you think that affected your ability or want to start a business? Well, I guess from my perspective, I just always saw my parents doing it their way. And when they were doing it their way, which wasn't always, but when they were doing it their way, it was going really, really, really well. And I think that there's a real sense of achievement that's attached to that. I think, I think probably my grandparents definitely inspired me. Um, they, they did some you know, really, really quite incredibly th- incredible things from an entrepreneurial ship. Like my grandfather built the first hotel motel here in country Victoria. Wow. Um, and I guess, you know, being able to say that you've actually created something is, is really quite extraordinary. And um, I like to take risks. So I, I guess it kind of all just falls into to that. And I don't particularly like being told what to do. So um, I guess all those things just, you know, do mesh into each other. Do you think that those, though, are personality traits that you're kind of born with? Or do you think that it was uh, shaped, you were shaped by watching your parents and saying, oh, well, they, they're kind of doing their own thing. Well, I, I don't like listening to people tell me what to do. Uh, you know, do, do I think you get it's what I'm a, trying to say? Yeah, I do. I, I actually think it's probably, you know, percentage-wise 75% shaped mm-hmm. and I think 25% is the choice that I made, that that's the direction that I wanted to take as well. Yeah, and it could also very well be both because, I mean, if someone's genetics and, their, you know, just their, their personalities and things were cu- coming from kind of creative people or entrepreneurial yeah, people, it, there might be something in their characters that – tends mm. to, to lean towards that or be more, they might handle pressure better than, I, I don't know. But. My, mine was an interesting one because I actually, I still remember having, I've got an older sister and I remember her and I sitting when we were early teens saying, oh, I'm never going to be an entrepreneur, never going to own my own business. It's so just, you know, it's just not consistent. Like, you know, I just, I don't know, it just doesn't, I'm just going to get a job. Like, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get a job. Um, and I would probably <laughs> say my personality type um, is quite risk averse. Um, I, I'm not a rebel. Um, I don't think you'll find a lot of what you would quintessentially kind of term lawyers that are rebels. Mm. It's not within our nature. We love to be regulated and we love to be kind of, you know, confined and doing yeah, those Your things. job is literally to follow the rules. <laughs> exactly. Like that, exactly. You're a lawyer. You, you well, look, read the rules and you've got to tell other people how to use them. We laugh because you can always walk into a, a primary school class or a kinder class and you can spot the lawyer, you know, the lawyer type straight away because they're always at the front. They've always got their hands up. Me, me, me. I know the answer. I know the answer. Um, and that is our personality type. But um, I think that so, so for me, my entrepreneurialism and my rebellious nature with Legally Yours was actually born out of that passion and experience for me. Mm. So I've actually had to conquer a lot of my fears of being 
in that space because it doesn't come to me naturally. Mm. Um, you know, my even my mum will say, you know, Karen was always the good girl. She was always the one saying, you know, I'm following the rules and, you know, I never really took risks or chances. So this is quite against probably my personality type. But I feel so strongly about what it is that mm. I'm doing and what we're doing together and what Legally Yours does, not only for clients but for the legal profession, I can't stop. It's like almost like it's this mission in life um, and I can't, you know, I can't let the, these lawyers down who have seen a different way mm. and are coming with us on this journey and I can't let those clients down who say, I can't believe, you know, that you've got these lawyers and how easy and how, you know, I was on the journey with them and I built this amazing relationship mm. with my lawyer. Like we can't stop. And how about being strong women in what you called in your prep sheet, a typically patriarchal industry? Have there been things that happened that has been harder? Has it, do you know what I'm trying to say? Um, Yeah, being strong women in a patriarchal industry, your experience. In 2021, it's a whole lot easier than what it was back in, you know, the early 2000s. Um, I think that... You know, we've been very fortunate that we've been able to conquer a lot over, let's say, the last 20 years. Um, you know, there is, there's always going to be that um, that way of thinking. However, interestingly enough, it's not like we're dragging people along. It's they're actually wanting to join what we're creating because they can see that it creates better integrity for themselves Um they get to build these incredible, you know, businesses, networks, clients, um, and they also get to make money along the way. But it's just that mindset change, I think, um, a lot of the time. But 2021, it's a lot easier than what it was, yeah, 20 years ago, I would say. It is, and I think that, um, I mean, we're still not there. No, we're not. <laughs> We've still got lots more to no. do. But I think, you know, it was interesting when I think about, um, you know, I, I did an event a couple of years ago up in Brisbane where we talked about different versions of success in law and we I crafted this panel of really strong female lawyers within the profession all doing, you know, different things. And there was um, some younger lawyers in the audience and one of them came up to me afterwards and just said, I had no idea that's what success looked like in law. I thought success looked like a 65-year-old white male, probably divorced, with a yacht because that was what we, you know, we told in law school that's what success is. It's making lots of money, being a partner in a big firm. I mean, a yacht would be nice. A yacht would oh, be wouldn't nice. It? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I won't say no to it. No, I won't say no to the yacht. But there's, there's this real thing, I think, you know, and this isn't just confined to law. But it's not. Know, it's professional services it across is, the board. It 100% is. And is. you can't be what you can't see. Um, and, I'm, and I think, you know, from, from Bianca and I's perspective, you know, we are business women. Mm. We are mums. We are, you know, these women that have, are, are traditionally in male-dominated industries. But we're actually being authentically us too. Mm. You know, I, I, and I mean, maybe that's the freedom of being in your own business as well, but I don't have to conform to what, you know, a male type structure of, you know, how I should be. Um, you know, I don't hide the fact that I'm, 
you know, not always on all the time. My life's chaotic. Um, I love active wear. My name's Karen, for God's sake. It's not a very popular name <laughs> at the moment. But, you know, we're authentically us and I know mm. Bianca's the same. You know, we, I, I think it's just I think that it's kind just of no freedom. competition. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, we're just doing what is authentically what we want to be able to do and it's, I suppose for want of a better term, whilst it gets bandied around a bit too much, is this whole disruption. But ultimately we just see that there's a different way to do things and we're just out there to try and educate consumers, lawyers, business support partners um, and anyone else who wants to come on the journey with us really. Um, and it doesn't really come down to male, female. I mean, if, you know, we were interviewing for a role within our organisation and it just happened to be a male that was best for the job, then we would 100%, you know, employ them. Um, it definitely doesn't come down to a versus situation. No, it doesn't at all. But one thing that's really cool is that, I mean, uh, uh, if a male was thrown a business, uh, if a man was thrown a business and a woman was thrown a business, mm it's perfectly fine for those businesses to be run differently or at different. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And, and absolutely. Because a business is what I believe someone, some people might disagree, but I believe a business is kind of a representation of the owner. It's almost like, um, it, you know, cause you've thought it up. You've, you worked so hard to get it. You've shared, like it's, it's, it's almost you in the sense and you're mm. pushing it out to the world and, and you've almost manifested this way to deliver the world more value than just you could by yourself. And you've, brought the people together and you've got, you know, and so if, if I mean, if I was a business, if I was a, a, a business mum and, um, and you know, I had my things I had to do during the day, mm. my business would represent me. That's exactly and that's right. What's, but that, that, that could be for the sexes. That's great. But that could be for anyone really. Like mm. people might have different whatever or every, every person is different. That's right. And they can definitely, the cool thing about owning your own business is that you make it yours. That's it is exactly literally right. yours, you know. Do you want to tell them about what we did before we actually became yeah, partners? Because I, I think that this is really interesting and I'm sure that a lot of the listeners today will probably be a little bit surprised but almost probably love what we did because it's very, very different um, to what I think the traditional um, business owner would do. But, yeah. Well, to, to set it up and then you can talk about I it. I did say oh. that we got married at some point. So here, <laughs> here, here it is. Here is Here's the, the hook. So when, when, you know, Bianca and I, you know, properly decided that, that Legally Yours was no longer Karen Finch, it was Karen Finch and Bianca Del, Del Monroe, um, and to us, it was that union. Um, I think up until that point, you know, sort of legally yours, as you, you've said, Daniel, I mean, I know that I've had coaches tell me I shouldn't feel this way and I need to separate myself from the business. But it is. It's like my baby, you know, my my fifth baby or maybe six if I count my dog, um, you know, baby. And so, you know, to open it up and to bring Bianca in, um, you know, you can imagine it's like bringing another, I think I might've even said to you, you know, I've been pregnant with legally yours and now I'm giving birth to it and we're going to raise it together. Like it was quite a, you know, that was sort of how it felt. So I can actually relate to that funny enough. Like the, the feeling of, yeah. like it is almost you. Like if I was give someone, it's like giving someone my leg. Yeah. So like, I need and that and you don't want doing. people to say it's yeah. an ugly, ugly baby or. <laughs> and that too, yeah. My baby's so pretty. And, I question and my you also baby. don't it's want the them to give it back world, either. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, no, but I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, yeah, so we we kind of knew um, exactly that th it was going to be pretty monumental and it was going to be a really big decision. So Bianca and I made a decision 
that we were going to do. So just similar to, you know, before I got married, um, I went and did some counselling, relationship counselling. And I still remember my husband and I kind of going, we were so stupid. We were in our mid-20s and, you know, we just had no idea about life. But I remember us saying, oh, what possibly could they tell us? Because we're so in love and we're getting married and we're so amazing. And, you know, we've we've done all the big decisions. It's so good, <laughs> whatever. And I still remember sitting there in the first session and them saying, okay, so let's talk about your families that you've come from. Okay, Karen, who in your family makes all the financial decisions? And I was like, oh, my mum, mum's boss. And then... She said to my husband, and what about your situation? He's like, my dad. And then we looked at each other and I was like, I'm making all the decisions. No, I'm making all the decisions. And all of a sudden we were like, oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, maybe we haven't done all this stuff. So when Bianca and I were looking to come together in legal yours and, you know, become parents, we decided to do some business relationship counselling. Um, so over to you, Bianca. Yeah, so we, um, we actually engaged with a high-performance coach and we said to them, the basis of this is we want to make sure that the our we had the vision and the values for the business, but we also want to make sure that our own personal visions and our own personal values also aligned with each other. So we we did I think it was six six hours over a two day period, um, where we basically put it all on the table and anything that didn't align, we talked it out and we found a resolution for it. Um, and it was probably the best thing that we've ever done because we now can go into any form of situation and, and it's not that I can read Karen's mind, but we have this very, very clear vision, value, definition of how our business is to run, how we operate as people, so we know that we can also be making decisions on behalf of each other as well. And it's been the best thing that we could have ever done because we don't have these um, situations of unknowing, we distinctly always know what each other would be thinking, what we would do in that particular situation. Um, anything that could have been on the mind that you're probably feeling a little bit reluctant on or didn't feel comfortable, all out on the table. And subsequently... We, we did ugly cry. We did ugly other. cries. We did the whole works. We talked What's ugly cries? Oh, <laughs> have you not seen Kim Kardashian's ugly cry? Oh. Yeah, so we did Kim Kardashian ugly cries. Um, so, but what that's also meant is that when the really, really hard stuff's come up in our business and we have had some of that come up of recent times, we've really been able to sit around a table and thrash it out in a very calm, um, you know... I guess in in a really kind, a calm and kind and compassionate manner to the situation, to us as people knowing what also our fears are as well, mm-hmm. um, and you know we're we're hitting some really big goals. And you know I would definitely be suggesting to any listeners if you want to get in business, it's really important to do something like that rather than just jump in because um, you can actually find out so much about a person that can you know, strategically allow you to be able to make a decision about whether you go into business with them or not. But secondly, if you do choose to go into business with them, that you've got um, the ability to be able to act in a manner that you know doesn't put the other person um, on the back foot, if that makes sense. So I know things about Karen that there's certain things that somebody would say to her that would really trigger her. I have to, um, if, if I need to have those conversations... I know that I have to sit back and actually find a way to deliver it to her in a manner where I know it won't trigger her and we can ultimately have a resolution. And it might not be always a resolution that I'm looking for, but it's something that we compromise to. And I think that this is, you know, it's the first time I've actually done it in business. 
Um, and it's just, it's been incredibly rewarding, I think, for both of us. And it will be incredibly rewarding for Legally Yours and all the members um, along the way as well. Well, and, uh, you know, because Legally Yours is a hard business. We're a relationship yeah, you know, business. But, um, you know, and vice versa. I mean, and I think what it was, interestingly, and I don't know if this is necessarily a female thing, but I think females are probably more attuned into this aspect mm. of ourselves. But when we went through that process, it wasn't thoughts that we had about each other or mm. doubts that we had about each other. They were all the thoughts and doubts that we had about ourselves. So mm. it was all that inner voice where I was thinking, I don't think I'm a good enough business partner for, for Bianca. You know, she's going to find out that, you know, I've made these mistakes along the way. You know, how will I do, you know, how, so it was all, and then being able to actually put it into language and words mm. and have her listen and repeat back how I felt and then her respond to it. It was the most incredibly um, cleansing, mm. authentic, most vulnerable, quite scary um, kind of experience that I've had. But absolutely, it has put us on the most wonderful kind of solid foundations mm. that, like like Bianca says, nothing can shake us. Mm. The business can be shaken and things, you know, can happen to us and the business but between us, mm. nothing. There's nothing coming in between mm. us. And, but you've done. Thing, you, I mean, you've you've almost made sure of that. Like, mm. You've almost you took effort into into doing that. Oh, you have to do it. And we and we continue and we do continue to do it as well. So. Yeah, it's, it's not a one off. <laughs> yeah. So we 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 have somebody that we um, we go to on a regular basis as well, just to you know improve what we're doing for ourselves, but also for legally yours as a business um, to make sure that we're taking it into the ages. So. Yeah. Amazing. It's, yeah, it is. Well, we have to wrap up soon because Laura's rolling her fingers at me like always. <laughs> um, but before we do, I just wanted to ask a couple of questions. But one was you mentioned that uh, we're still not there. And I'm assuming that was in terms of the uh, more de- male-dominated industries like law and, and financial, financial services. Financial yeah. services. What uh, – so – where, what would there be for you, kind of? Like what, what is there? Not what, having this conversation. Oh, I agree with that too. Yeah. But, what, but what would, what's there? It's, it's a really big, complex issue um, and I think it's, it's, it's quite subjective to everyone else. Mm. For, for myself, um, what that would mean is that, I mean, I think that it's not just about gender pay gaps or even, mm. you know, Sorry. about industry and business. It's what's happening domestically. Um, you know, absolutely unequivocally, women are still typically taking the lion's share of housework and domestic duties. Um, COVID, you know, was the one that put women front and centre, them having to leave their jobs or scale back on their jobs. So, you know, I think that it's, 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 you've got to start from that point. Um, interestingly, I do have a lot of discussions with my four children about, you know, relationships and, and, stereotypes um you know my son vacuums now um you know that <laughs> we we don't have um you know any kind of you know we're human beings right so you know you it, it doesn't mean that you know girls have to do this mm. boys have to do this so I think for me you know really getting that piece right um can also then have mm. a huge impact on the rest of it moving forward because the reality is a lot of women aren't in leadership roles or in exec roles because they've ta- they've taken career breaks mm. and I'm not adverse to that. I mean, Bianca and I, 
we work off the operation of the ability of choice. Mm. You know, if I choose to stay home and look after my kids, if I choose to go back to That's work right. after four weeks of, you know, my four, my baby's four weeks old, choice, have choice. Mm. Um, and still off, too often I hear women saying I'm trapped. I'm trapped in the position I'm in in my job because I'm thinking about having another baby or I'm trapped because, you know, I don't know how to get to that next level of success because, you know, I still want to be able to pick up my kids from school or, you know, and it's just about choice, 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 choice. So I, I just, for me, when women have the same choices. And flexibility. And flexibility, um, you know, that would that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, and, and it being their choice because there's a Absolutely. lot of women that might choose this way. There's a lot of women, oh, as long as it's their choice, you know, whatever Absolutely. makes them happy. Absolutely. And, and also I think that one of the most important things is you said I was scrolling through my notes to find it because I wrote it down but I couldn't find it. It was something about you can't be what you can't see or you Correct. said something like yeah. that. I, I really, I actually really agree with that idea and and maybe there's some people that might, they're so strong that somehow they managed to fight their way through but when someone can see someone else do that, oh, that's the life I want to live. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or that's the structure I want. That's the uh, family structure. That's the whatever structure, that, whatever it is. But that that I like that. That's mm. me. Yeah. It gives people options. They're like, okay, yeah, cool. I can do that. That's an option. That's what. That's the option I'm taking. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and almost like the way you discuss your partnership between mm. you two, and, and you did actually with your husband, I believe you said, or yes. you had the counselling. <laughs> yes. You know, that, that, that should kind of be what I would like, yeah. What's the plan? Like, let's yeah. discuss this. Let's yeah. plan the future. So, so there's no trap in, entrapment. You know, mm. it's kind of no. This was a choice. We you know, we mm. all chose to do this. And even if you want to change the choice, as long as our options are open, and we Absolutely. can kind of do that. Yeah. Awesome. And how long have you guys been members for? Uh, we're going into our second year. Amazing. And have you? Uh, I mean, have you? Do you feel that you've grown your 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 network of of, of uh, entrepreneurs and business owners in your time here thus far? Yeah, we have. Yeah, we've actually had. Karen um, was smiling and nodding. Yeah, no. So <laughs> I want to put that in the back. Yeah, yes. no, we have. We've met. Um, we've met. You know, quite a number of members that have now either become um, business associates or also friends. We've had some of them come and do some of our events with um, with Karen, and subsequently we've also been on some of their podcasts and bits and pieces. Oh, so yes, I actually, which is Chris yeah. So it's really interesting that we're even here. Um, you know, after everything that happened last year with COVID and bits and pieces. So it's actually nice to be able to, you know, see people in person and we're looking forward to spending a bit more time in the club, um, both here and also in Sydney. We're really, we're hitting the Sydney market this year. So Well, you've got a great big network sitting there waiting for you to get into yeah. it. So, so just let us know. But And as, I mean, one of the uh, kind of key pillars of Cub is that it was, um, it, it was, it, Cub is and is supposed to even more so represent the modern face of Australian business. Mm. And that means all the entrepreneurs, all, yeah. all the different entrepreneurs. And do you, I mean, do you guys feel, do you guys feel a, a great sense of belonging in the club? Have you, has it been Definitely. a warm place or how would you do, kind of describe it? For, I mean, for my nose. I love the way you described it the other day when you had to come in for your core, when everyone was like, oh, Karen. <laughs> everyone got up and clapped for her. And yeah, they were a oh, little bit, was. weren't they? Yeah, yeah, it was. And it's, um, I think it's an opportunity, you know, particularly for me where I sort of, I've kind of been on my own for a long time in business um, and worked fully remotely and flexibly. So, you know, I don't often kind of get to be vulnerable with other business mm. owners. And particularly through CORE, um, and I've participated in CORE this year, I've loved that opportunity to mm. sit and and actually understand other people's 
businesses and understand what makes them tick and mm. and sort of really kind of delve deep into those. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because obviously one of the sessions you talk about the challenges and the opportunities. And even though they're very broad and very different because everyone's got different businesses and different things, there's a real common theme mm. amongst all of it. You know, we are all, and I think that common experience and understanding that you can be in a huge business or a small business or a micro business entrepreneur, you can be a sole entrepreneur, all the rest of it. Um, you know, we, we're all building things and, and wanting to build relationships and yeah, we're sharing that experience together. So it's a really beautiful, beautiful club that you've built. Thank you. Well, yeah, it's not me. It's the members. The club's powered by the members. So yeah, it's it us. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Give yourself you. a pat on the back. Thank you, myself. Thank you. <laughs> and, and to the listeners who perhaps maybe this might be the first episode you've ever heard, Core is our uh, our main networking service that mm. basically ensures uh, every member has the opportunity to build valuable relationships with between 30 and 40 other accomplished leaders with every year of membership. So um, finally, I want to ask each of you, what is the one pe- – it could be the same together or, or individually. It depends what you, what you want. But if you can give your daughter one piece of advice uh, and you were only able to give her that one piece of advice, what would that be? Well, mine goes back to what my quote is, in fact. Mine is, um, gut instincts are your guardian angels, 100%. I do love that. Yep. I do love that. And probably mine, I might actually – shout this out to Evie, Addison and Maeve, who are my three daughters. Um, you know, live fiercely, live bravely, but mm. be authentically you. Mm. Just, you know, I, I, I want my daughters to feel like they can be themselves and be successful and have those choices mm. and, you know, be brave and fierce and courageous. Um, live with integrity. Oh, and live with integrity. Yeah, yeah. So that would be... My advice to yeah. my and also, you can't ask us just I mean, to give you one. Yeah, but also <laughs> that was yeah, but also it was incredibly kind of unfair. I, and also, I, I asked you to give advice just to your daughters, but really, both your advice works for for, for any sons as well. So it works. It works for everybody. It works both it ways. Does. Yeah. It does. Um, and finally, what about um, a, a great book that are you guys readers? What about a great? Well, obviously, you are. You're a lawyer. But what about a great? <laughs> oh what, yes, I read legislation. Yeah. <laughs> what about a great book that you think is kind of a necessity? A must read. Um, so I've actually read two books recently that have actually changed the way I think about things. So one is um, Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis and the other one is The Power of the Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. Um, the, the Power of the Subconscious Mind you do, does take a little bit to get in but when you actually um, understand the basis behind of it, it's um, it can actually be a real game changer. So I haven't Kikisola. read either. I've got to get them. I always – I read and then I ship them off to, to Karen. I'm like, got to get onto really? this one. Yeah. I always buy the books that the members suggest. Yeah. And I, like in every podcast and then I add them to my library. Yeah. Aww, that's yeah. So I need a bigger library now. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> yeah. There's a thing called audio books <laughs> yeah. too. It's no, really easy. No, they no, just no. sit in there. Never. Oh, sm- no, I don't do so that It's funny, isn't book, it? Right? Like some people I know absolutely have to have the hard copy because they like to smell the – yeah, yeah, pla- yeah, yeah. It's Bend really the page interesting. for my thing, sit there in the morning, have a coffee, read. I start every day reading mm. and having a coffee just to get my brain yeah. working so that I can actually work then. Yeah. I, I love Good, the book. Mm. What about yourself, Karen? Uh, so I've just recently um, read Tamed by Glennon Doyle and I love that book for a multitude of reasons but the first scene that she sets up where she goes to a zoo um, with her daughter and there's a um, cheetah, I think it is, mm. and she's pacing the fence 
and they're sort of thinking, oh, you know, she's pacing the fence and it's just this whole kind of concept of an idea that, you know, um, being caged and not given choice but really there's a, there's a wildness in mm. all of us um, and just like the cheetah when, you know, the, the crowds went away and they looked over and the cheetah, you know, ran and it was, you know, you, there's this wildness within all of us that, um, you know, we, we want to have that choice. Um, so, yeah, that was a really powerful book for me. Amazing. Um, ladies, thank you so much. This was an Thanks absolutely incredible us. episode. <laughs> I have a, a really, truly incredible episode. I'm so excited to put this out. And uh, so thank you. And, and thank you for being involved in, in the community and in Cub. It, it's, you make Cub stronger. So thank you so much. And to the listeners, if you want to reach out to uh, Karen uh, or Bianca or both, go to cub.club forward slash podcast and you can find all their tips and tricks, websites, LinkedIn's, all sorts of information. Um, and I'm sure that, and also, especially if you are someone who can get involved in uh, legally yours, whether you uh, are a lawyer who wants to um, modernize, uh, or if you are uh, the owner of a business that has a service offering that could be supportive of uh, these incredible uh, law, f- uh, I guess you call them law firms or legal. Mm-hmm. Or legal, if, you, if you need legal services. services. Or if you need legal <laughs> services. Don't pe- Google, I need a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be scared of coming here because you won't be charged for your phone, b- for your <laughs> conversation. <laughs> anyway, just listen to the thing. Go on the website, cub.club podcast, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks. Thank you.